Welcome to the Movie Overload Podcast. Three friends, 100 films. My name is Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Reese. I'm Hunter. Well, there we are. That that's our intro. That is the official intro. <laughs> Very exciting, a good yes. time. So, um, today is the episode that we've all been waiting for for you know the last however many episodes. Uh, I think uh, one. The one, one episode. Yeah. <laughs> one and a fake trailer. Yeah. The, yeah. It's five seconds long. I guess we did do that, and that <laughs> was just. Count. Probably doesn't exist anymore if you're hearing this. Yeah. By the time you're here, hopefully the trailer's gone because it was recorded spontaneously and there's background noise and it was weird. It's great. But um The trailer was kind of funny though. Yeah, I like it. It's it's quite magical. (laughs) But also it will never be heard again. Yes. Because it's only for us. Mm, Yes. Uh but we skipped like twenty four years of movies between this one and and the previous one, right? This is a nineteen twenty six. Yep. So that's crazy. Sure is. And it does not feel like too big of a step in terms of like what cinema does. Like yeah, in some I mean, ways. The yeah, like the video quality is sharper. There's it's obviously a lot longer. Right. But I could see people's yeah, faces I mean, this time. That was it just nice. has it just yeah, true. <laughs> I could tell who everyone was. It just has more scale, but mm-hmm. a lot of the, is kind of the same, yeah. Yeah, but as far as yeah, like narrative convention goes, it's mm-hmm. like it's still pretty much the same. I mean, we True. got the dialogue boxes right. now, which is which is a pretty True. And big music? addition. Yeah, that's true. Although I think right. at the end, so I think we all watched it on Canopy, um, but at the end it has like a separate card that's like, ah, uh, the score was written by blah blah blah. Right. And I yeah. so I don't think that it was originally there with the movie. Yeah, oh. I've, I've looked at some of that. There's some talk about that. There's definitely like I, I don't know if there was any originally when it came out, but there definitely has been some. Like I think there was one in like the late '50s that was done, and there probably are some that were done more recently as well to accompany it, gotcha. which makes sense because a lot of the one on the one on Canopy. I think Hannah watched a different one on YouTube and that ended up happening, but the one on Canopy is really nicely like synced up mm-hmm. there's some good like hits and stuff that time with the action yeah it's, a pretty, it's pretty cool score like, it, it also done. is weird because it uses a lot of other songs yeah like just mm-hmm. kind of in there randomly. i started did they put like oh christmas tree or something i think so and i was like is this like is this to have like the same melody that's used for a different song or are they just putting a christmas song right well at first when i thought that it was like the score that was actually for the movie like right. originally written i was yeah. like I heard a theme and I was like, wait, I feel like I've heard that somewhere before. Is this just a really iconic a score? And it's yeah. like, nah, they're just using other songs. Yeah, and I, I was just, not being just kind of filling in, yeah. Yeah, which is but interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of a mix of both for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, I mean, so as, you know, as the Charlie Chaplin fan of the pod, mm-hmm. it was really interesting watching, uh, oh yeah, the movie, did we already say it's the general? We did not. Yes. Okay. We oh. Talked about this now. It's the Man, general. We'll do that it's like every general. time. You know, maybe by like the tenth podcast, we'll remember to like announce <laughs> right. the film, give a yeah, summary. We're, <laughs> figuring all that out. we're not very That's organized okay. but, here. Uh, yeah. So before I continue about my my chaplain spiel, Hunter, why don't you give us the the initial information on the general? Well, it's a movie from 1926. Is uh, the last like most notable buster keaton film that he did uh from his run in the 20s which was his kind of his best time and he, he has fun with trains really does i don't know how how deep into this <laughs> i'm supposed to get i don't know i mean that's kind of the basics yeah. of it basically yeah it's just an not... old silent action comedy mm-hmm. didn't you say though because like this is one of his most memorable films but didn't you say it was kind of a flop yeah so in the moment? It, it came out and and nobody saw it. It did not make its money back. It got a lot of mixed reactions from critics and audiences. And it, yeah, it was kind of considered a, a flop. And it actually had some pretty major negative consequences for his career that we can talk about in a little bit. Mm. But uh, then, I mean, just decades later, and especially and now, of course, like it's regarded as like his masterpiece. Like this, right. We, we oh, look yeah. back on this and they're like, this is the best thing he did. And mm-hmm. I think he thought it was the best thing he did. He was always very proud of it. But yeah, it kind of sucked at the time. That's so weird because it's know. like it's bizarre. It feels, and he was already loved. Like he yeah. was successful before this. Hmm. Like because he, he did Sherlock Jr. Yeah, he did Sherlock Jr. He had a lot of feature films in the twenties and shorts before that that were all like, as far as I can tell, like 
he was totally fine. And then this came out, and they were like, I don't know about this one, guys. This had to be a huge budget, too, in the it 20s. Was it was a lot. That it was insane. A lot yeah. I'll, um, it feels like the kind of movie that's, like, emulated now. Like, mm-hmm. it still feels like very easily you add in color and sound and, you know, yeah. explosions, maybe a few more explosions. And it's, like, the sure. kind of movie that could come out now. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it doesn't feel so far away from, you know, what we're doing, like, a trip to the moon does in some ways where it's like, I can see how this led to what we have now and it's very good for what it is, but we don't have things exactly like this anymore. Like we were talking about Mm -hmm. how the genre of sci-fi has changed, but like we have civil war era movies. We have like chase movies. Mm -hmm. It was just a train chase before we had car chase. Right. And some of the things that I saw people like talking about that kind of rubbed them the wrong way are things that, now just kind of don't mean anything to us hmm. like, like they were kind of, they were just like changing tastes like like in the movie there's some there's a bit towards the end where the big battle's happening and there's a kind of a gag made about some people dying right yeah and like with modern sensibilities that's it's nothing mm-hmm. i see some guys kind of like clutch their chest and fall to the ground and i'm like oh yeah like i like i'm i'm more laughing at the joke because it is kind of funny just having these guys are falling around him and he's just like, what? He like what? doesn't realize. <laughs> I guess I'll try the next guy. Right. Uh, and then finally, like he loses his blade. He like tries to draw his, the sword and like the blade like flies off and you just get a shot of the guy who was shooting them all like with the blade just in his back I and he's, that was he's dead on the hill. Great, and it's yeah. like, yeah, I think to us gag. that's like, it's funny. And it's, it's like, it's kind of dark, but it's funny. But I think for the time that was like, whoa. Hmm you can't do that violence i mean it did seem kind of dark to me at the time just right it is now totally because of thinking about that time and like yeah but it's also like compared to things that we see now it's like it's pretty tame right now there's not even blood no yeah it's it's very it's sterile and it was like a little bit sad but it's also like man we're talking about the civil war here i don't feel like there's anything that's like not really brutal about this and i think and it's funny too because like the movie is i think it was intended to be more dramatic than a lot of his other work like it's still really funny Mm. and i look back on it more just like i enjoyed the stunts and the the comic the the jokes and stuff but like i think it it was intended to be like kind of a serious take right on that stuff yes it was a thing that happens yeah and that was that was kind of something i thought was strange was seeing a movie taking place in the civil war where like the north is the bad guys. that's what i thought too and there is a yeah a that was interesting that. um it's because this is more or less a, a real thing that happened oh uh this is yeah it's based off of a real thing um there were some union soldiers that hijacked a train and were intending to take it across enemy lines and kind of destroy like i think some bridges just like some probably whatever they were trying to do in the movie and it's it's just taking that story and putting somebody you know kind of a, an extra party being affected by that event gotcha so it's like but yeah i remember thinking that too i was like why would you make a movie where your protagonist is on the losing side right and i thought that was very odd but there is a reason because it's the real thing that happened and it's just easier to put that on the victim's side of that being like oh i'm just a guy who has a train right <laughs> these guys stole my train <laughs> um yeah did that so, play into people not liking it? Did they not know. like that he was? Um, I, it's possible. I didn't come across that, but I know there were definitely some tensions around that. Like there was all this stuff where like, I think they were wanting to film in Georgia or something, but like there was probably some, some tension around filming something like that there. So they ended up filming in Oregon where like it didn't mm, matter that as makes much. Sense. Um, and they had to, you know, try and have it right. look like Georgia. Well, cause I was looking at this stuff and I was like, I think it's supposed to be, supposed to take place in Tennessee, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And I remember looking at it, I was like, I mean, so I've like spent a lot of time in both Tennessee and Oregon. It's supposed to be just above Chattanooga, which is, yeah. I've been there and it doesn't look like that. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this really does look like Pacific Northwest scenery. Like yeah. it's really pretty. Exactly and I can't imagine that Chattanooga would have ever looked exactly like that. Yeah. The whole thing's in Oregon. Yeah. That's rad. They had to, they did a lot of it in kind of the same locations. A lot of those sets were like right outside the hotel where they were all staying. Hmm. Like it's all, it's all up there. Yeah. It seems like That's it really had cool. a lot of locations. Right. It, like there it were a doesn't. ton of different shots. <laughs> it totally did not. I don't oh, think it did. That's cool. Um, I read a little bit about that and like, at least a lot of the, like the train go like shots of the train going through places. It's the same 
places yeah, over and over again, sense. but like shot at different angles yeah. in different places. Well, so it worked. It looks different. Yeah, yeah. I bought totally, it. Really. Mm-hmm. Me too. It totally works. I mean, yeah. some of those shots though with the train where it's like it'll show a train going by and there's like a camera that's like following it. Yeah. Like, is there a separate had, train track? So and another train sometimes I, I looked, I did find some information about that. They said that there was either another track and they had like a platform with the camera and equipment on it rolling alongside it. Uh, sometimes uh, there was like an extra track to the side. Sometimes it was on the same track, like in front or behind. Mm. Uh, and sometimes I think they said they had like a, a car that was like mm. rebuilt to allow for that, that would drive alongside. That's really what cool. They said. And they did that sometimes. So it's kind of, it kind of depended, but yeah. And Some every of those time, just like, man, how yeah. did they, how but did like, they do that? And they had like those temporary tracks were like only so long. So each shot could only be like 15 seconds tops mm. or something. I think they said, and they had to reset every time and they would do like some of these like quite a few takes it sounds like maybe up to like six times i think i saw on like some of these and like you had to be driving the train and the track like the platform on the side or something and like you had to do it and then take like two hours or something to reset everything and try again that is insane insane. yeah they did a lot on this wow i mean i guess that's one thing that definitely has been upgraded Mm -hmm. is like the ability to not just have a stable camera right and also filming outside. Those mm-hmm. are, I guess, things we haven't seen before. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the first time that's huge, been ha- yeah. done, but it's the first time in this mm-hmm. list. There's a lot of big but, scale shots in here for sure. Yeah, no, just stuff that like is really clean and very smooth in mm-hmm. ways that I just totally. would not have expected as somebody who is a Jim Jarmusch fan and he mm-hmm. has movies from like the 80s with like lots of these like moving car shots and they're just not staple at all. And I'm just like, I guess yeah. there wasn't any way to do image stabilization or just, you know, be careful with the camera so mm-hmm. i just assumed for some reason just w- from watching those films from like the early 80s that like you know you have a moving shot it's gonna look a little wobbly but right. like in 1926 it did not look that way it doesn't look at yeah like i think it looks fine it looks i never really noticed yeah any of the camera issues or anything it's just like this looks great mm-hmm. it's just they got so much in frame that was yeah. just so good like, they must have used some really interesting lenses i think Probably. because Yes, because if there's a separate track or whatever, mm-hmm. for some of those shots of the train, it's like you'd have to be really close mm-hmm. to be able to follow it. But it has such a wide range of view on the train yeah. that I was... There's, they get a lot of different angles, yeah. Yeah. It's very impressive, all of it. Mm-hmm. I kind of alluded... I feel like I should also mention... I hinted that at the cost of this movie earlier, and I didn't say it because I thought that maybe I was going to talk about it later. I'm just going to talk about it now. Uh, they initially gave him like $400,000, which I think is like... I think they said like $5.7 million ish by today's uh it ended up costing almost double that because of the repeated takes and just the his kind of perfectionism that he was trying to inject into this movie because like they were getting the sets right they were getting the trains right and a lot of these were vintage trains but like everything was just trying to be just right and yeah i think they said the final cost was around seven hundred fifty thousand, and that also hurt the uh, returns on that because that's they only got back like two-thirds of that or something dang wow yeah so like i mean even adjusting for inflation even mm-hmm. at the moment like current prices to make a film that's actually like relatively cheap like mm-hmm. wes right. anderson's movies are all more expensive than that and he's yeah. known for being like mm-hmm. pretty True. good with money and not using that much but i guess it's also worth noting that at the time you weren't charging as much for tickets even right. if you're adjusting for inflation you weren't yeah. charging that much for tickets and also probably less people are going to the movies yeah and most of your movies weren't this ambitious yeah like most things probably weren't doing stuff like this right <laughs> so it, it was like a weird on. experimental thing to mm-hmm. yeah spend that much money on and yeah expect to make that much money back like that's right. crazy and yeah it might have seemed like a good bet at the time and then just did not work out <laughs> yeah hmm. but apparently it i mean that's the thing that's fun about that kind of thing i mean it's sad for the artists right sad for buster keaton that he didn't get to make yeah. something else like this yeah uh, but, um, weird. but for us it's pretty great yeah, because it, we get to have the context of even those like you know movies that ended up flopping mm-hmm. you know things that wouldn't get made even normally during those times that you know somebody's passion project somehow makes it through yeah um and we get Definitely to was reap that. the benefits of that mm-hmm. yeah it turned out good in the end for sure had a good legacy even if it didn't have a good initial reception mm-hmm. So. At what point did people start looking at it and thinking, 
oh, that's actually really good. Like, I, I wonder when that like, shift of mindset happens right. for people. I remember seeing like Orson Welles really liked it. So like, I think probably even just like 50s, 60s, mm. somewhere in there, I think people started the, like, people who were talking about film and involved in that were like, this is actually really great. Like, what are we talking about? Okay, ahead of its time. <laughs> that seems like a lot that of was ways. kind of when, yeah, some of that shift was happening. Yeah, well, I, I did some reading on it too. And it, yeah, I remember seeing that quote from Orson Welles where he said, like, mm-hmm. I think this is probably, he's like, it's the greatest silent film, but it's also probably the greatest film of all time. Yeah. That's like, coming yeah, from the guy that made Citizen Kane. Like, to this day, yeah, it's just, it remains on lists of the best movies ever made. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, just a really, really stellar work. And yeah. it should be, I think. It is on Letterboxd Top 250. Mm-hmm. But I checked on there and, of all of the um, Buster Keaton films that he has um, on that list, mm-hmm. I think it's actually the lowest one. Really? I think so. Hmm. It's like at 220 something. Uh, Sherlock Jr. is like 50 or 60, which is surprising. Interesting. But I think that one's a short technically, right? Like it's 45 um, minutes. I'm not have you seen sure. that one? I have not seen that. No. Okay. I I saw a couple in my film class like a year ago. I saw cops and one week i think i think it's called which were both pretty great one week is really fun (laughs) some of those short ones are able to just like have way more gags Mm -hmm. which i I noticed as well in chaplin like his early stuff have are just like gag after gag after gag Mm -hmm. whereas his longer movies he's trying to actually have a plot and so there's a lot less time devoted to those things Mm -hmm. but something i will say like i think uh so buster keaton at this time based off of just the general, which is the only thing of his I've seen, I guess at this point has like very clearly like very big kinds of set pieces that mm-hmm. are just like phenomenal. Just like how yeah. did you manage to film yeah. that? Even in the shorts, there's some big scale. Right. Like, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Interesting. I, I do want to see more of him mm-hmm. because sure, yeah, from sure. Chaplin's point of view is, is way different. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, I always assume that they'd just be like pretty much doing the same thing. They're talked about in pretty much. Mm-hmm the same conversation at all times really um if you're talking about silent films or you yeah. know slapstick comedy it it's like ah, you know buster keen yeah. and charlie chaplin but chaplin um has as his production is like way less complex mm. um sense. it's just you know you got a stable camera set up in like one position and then everything about the humor everything about the comedy is all just in chaplin's acting mm. um so he's not he's not really writing these like crazy complex things. He's just one of the greatest actors I feel like I've ever watched where he's just right. able to do these like there's this bit in modern times which I really after watching this movie I was like I really wish we could cover it and be able to talk about those in context with each other. Mm-hmm. But it's not on the list unfortunately. That's Maybe my fault I guess. But um that. but yeah there's a bit with this uh like roller skating mm. arena sort of and he's on the top floor of this mall that has just like this ledge where you just can easily fall off and he's roller skating blindfold backwards and he doesn't realize that the ledge is there <laughs> and he just like oh, gets so close every time to like falling off and he just it, everything about the humor and that it's all just like his physicality yeah mm-hmm. which is Makes i've noticed sense. in some places it was present with keaton mm-hmm. yeah, but in a very different kind of do both yeah like it's it's different for sure. Yeah. Keaton stuff definitely has more emphasis, like you said, on just kind of set piece stuff, like the environments and everything kind of relying on s- stunt work around a, an environment or something. Yeah. Right. Like, like there's like a one week, where there's like had... a freaking big house that like moves and rocks and spins and stuff. And it's insane. Right. And then, yeah, stuff like hmm. this, of course, the trains. Sorry. What were you going to say? He was, well, I mean, I was thinking of that one bit where, you know, they, they have planks on the tracks trying to like get the yeah. train to stop and whatever. Oh my and gosh. He picks one up. And he chucks it at the other one, yeah. and so they both fly oh, off. So good. And it's like that. There's no way that wasn't practical. You know, and mm-hmm. boy, yeah. Like he, you had to, he had to like nail that. Like he got that wrong, that would have been, it would have been bad. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff like that. That's, that's like totally, yeah. His, yeah. his precision nailed all that stuff. Yeah. And did they actually like? I mean, I, I guess spoiler alert. I don't know. Uh, did they actually destroy that train? They that did. Uh, the bridge? Yeah, yes. the bridge moment what yeah. so I, I found a nice article that talks about a lot of this stuff and they do mention the train uh they built that bridge in like two weeks uh all of that i guess was specifically made for this and they set it on fire and then they they started the train and like the guy who kind of got it rolling just jumps out i guess there was like a paper mache man like in the in the driver's area huh. and yeah it just 
the whole thing just collapses and it falls into the river. Probably only had one take on that one. Yep. Huh? Like again, like yeah, I was talking about that with Hannah. Like some of the stuff, like yeah, stuff like that. You get you got one go at that. I was like, oh, wow, I hope no one got hurt. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was a story they had about like there was like a woman in the crowd like watching this get uh, get done who didn't know that the guy jumped out of the train before oh, no. it did that and like fainted because she thought someone was in that's there. That's funny. That's the most 1920s yeah. thing I've ever heard Literally in my life. what I was thinking, and I guess, yes. I guess Buster Keaton wanted to be in it. He wanted to like be driving the train forward and like jump into the water oh, no. as it was like falling and his wife talked him out of it. Good, so. he would have died. <laughs> why because he just does that oh buster keaton i want to talk about that too like his kind of history with being a stunt person and like tricks and stuff is really great because it started if we didn't have anything else to talk about because i feel like that kind of works because he's been doing this for a very long time it turns out Mm -hmm. he was like born into a family who did like vaudeville like stage productions Mm. and just did all these weird comedy routines and stuff on stage and apparently he's been doing this or he had been doing this since he was like three and one of the gags of this performance is that his dad would pick him up and throw him into scenery or the audience and he just had to learn to fall correctly nice he would like he said later he's like if i wasn't falling right i would have totally been hurt or like killed maybe sometimes but he just knew how to land and like break his fall correctly like that whole time and he like never got hurt like there were child abuse allegations and he was like look like i'm fine and like they never got anywhere i don't think did he have other like, siblings who randomly think, died I, from like no i don't think so i don't i didn't hear <laughs> anything about their that, kids but into just, the like, audience that, like, <laughs> he like they literally put a suitcase handle on his clothes oh my god to like make it easier to throw him around that's funny how old was he so crazy i think he was doing this up and i don't know how long they were throwing him around but he was doing this till he was like 21 ish wow uh these kind of things and then that's kind of when he started to get out of it so how old was he when uh he made the general general he was born in 95 and was 26 like 25 so he'd been like 30 Hmm. Hmm. so he'd already been doing film stuff for a while that's interesting if you relate that back to trip to the moon because he was an illusionist and started doing right. all the special effects and then he grew up doing stage yep. comedy routines there you go yep yeah it totally turns into, into his thing and... yeah he totally just kept going like on all this stuff it just was like he was just able to do these very physically demanding things in a way that like obviously they were dangerous anyway but he was just more naturally equipped to handle them because mm-hmm. like it, like he said he says it's just second nature to him to fall correctly and do all these things so it's like it didn't it didn't matter as much to him i guess so he could do more uh, impressive stuff. Are there any crazy falls he takes in general? I feel like I remember something happening. Uh, but I'm trying to think. I don't know if I noticed anything specifically. Oh, when he's on the, the like, the, whatever it's called, like, the pedal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He totally train, biffs it. And it, yeah. thing flies off, and he's like, Bleh. And he just, like, he just flies like, out. And I, and I wondered if like, that was, like, real somehow. I, I mean, I assume it was. I'm going to assume that most of the stuff here was, like, as legit as yeah he doesn't be. seem into special effects no, yeah. like, i mean i guess if he wanted to jump out of that train and then yeah he's gonna yeet himself right out of that thing well i uh yeah so i, I saw a review on letterboxd that just made me crack up it was like i don't want to hear about tom cruise doing his own right like yeah. stunts for mission <laughs> yeah. impossible ever I totally again saw, yeah i totally saw somebody comparing it to that like it was they were like oh it's the mission impossible of the wow. 20s like yeah buster keaton wins yeah, like it's kind of yeah seriously. it really was kind of an action film like, and tom cruise even like broke his leg on the the right. most recent one just like he did ju- hopping over a small bit of a building yeah. right yeah well <laughs> they he like totally jumps across huge buildings and he like broke his foot or something yeah, like, yeah you see his like reach. ankle go back if yeah, you look close wow but oh, it, like wait, it wasn't as totally crazy of a shot like even like I guess he just did a long jump though. Like it's 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 fair. Yeah. He's just no Buster Keaton. He can't handle it. Yeah. There's learn how to smash his shin. Right. Mm -hmm. There were totally some stories about like uh, him hurting himself. Apparently there's like some like water falls on him in Sherlock Jr. And they said he broke his neck, but he didn't even realize it. Apparently. I don't know how that works. But apparently he broke his neck, but like didn't realize it until like years later. Maybe he has that brain disorder where he doesn't feel pain. I don't know. That would make sense. <laughs> but like, yeah, I would. Just I like, wouldn't be surprised all at this, this point. Stuff. Yeah, like he totally was in harm's way and all this stuff, but it was just whatever. And he wow. was totally fine, I guess. That's <laughs> Aside just, from breaking his neck. Wow, that kind of stuff is just really impressive because you don't think about that as much 
with films now is just like <laughs> yeah, just the idea of like, like risking your life to make a movie right is crazy and i mean i guess there are stunt drivers and stuff like that mm-hmm. now but i don't or safety equipment's also a lot right it exists now i guess yeah well also because <laughs> you can like green screen a harness yeah. out or something like right. that like I, I it's always weird watching uh like behind the scenes stuff on like big blockbusters and that mm-hmm. kind of thing now because it's like wow somebody's in a harness for a scene i just never would have even thought they needed a harness for mm-hmm. uh but like here it's like oh he's just gonna jump out of a train or you yeah. know the thing he's on is just gonna ride right off the tracks and break into a million pieces yeah, and totally he's just gonna go for like, it that's dangerous. and he gets like one try for yeah, a lot yeah, of those lot shots of that, yeah totally mm. it's all very very crazy. yeah when i looked it up it was labeled i think as action adventure movie mm-hmm. like man 1920s they were getting yeah. crazy it, like mm-hmm. there's totally jokes but like it's definitely like it's not a lot yeah like i think people thought it was going to be funnier than it was like when it came out that was one of the things too. i actually like, thought it was funny yeah i thought it was yeah, too. Like, some pretty good totally gags funny, but i think yeah. that compared to his other work it probably is like it's just not doing as much of the comedic comedic stuff. That makes sense. So, because if I think of any of the Chaplin films I've seen, mm-hmm. all of them have more gags yeah. in them, and all of them, like there are just bits in pretty much all of his movies that legitimately make me laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. Like there's this great bit where there's this police, like he's he's driving a car, and there's a policeman who's like trying to stop him because he's trying to just go through the intersection even though it's not really his turn and the (laughs) policeman's like trying to get him to stop and then somebody like spills a jar of tar and then the policeman gets stuck (laughs) and then he gets out of the car and like tries to help him but he accidentally kind of pushes him down and then his hands and feet are both stuck there and it's the it's the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen and like three cops end up getting stuck in the tar there and then charlie chaplin pulls out and uh like pulls backwards and then a guy another cop comes up and walks through and just falls straight down a manhole and it's it's <laughs> just there's so much going on but that kind of stuff like really gets me and i was yeah. looking forward to that in this one and there were probably only like two or three bits that were like just like really really solid like that yeah. but the rest of it was just like how it's a little bit self-serious it's a really solid action movie right. it's not as much yeah. of a comedy right it has there's it has stakes mm-hmm. like there's there's things that are happening that are obviously bigger scale and more important and yeah less time for jokes and stuff i mean we were talking hannah and i were kind of talking last night about like it starts with a joke like where she like starts following behind him and he doesn't realize it and it's just a, a joke that totally relies like not on any just no, I mean, it's it's it's, not, ugh, it's an entirely physical joke like it's just right. relying on the spacing of the actors in the in the frame like and just one that not realizing that there's a person behind them. It's, it's kind of As funny. As he knocks on <laughs> her cute. door. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. so cute. And stuff like that. But yeah, it definitely has kind of a lighthearted jokes and stuff like that sometimes. And then jokes in the action sometimes as well. But yeah, it's not, not really as much of a focus as it might be in the other works for sure. Which is fair. I mean, it sounds like doing a lot of this action kind of whatever would have been pretty experimental right. at the time even. I think so, yeah. So I guess if that was really focus. his focus and then it, again, then that would make sense why they didn't, it didn't review so well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they're like, like, I wanted another comedy film. Cause that's a funny guy. Doing. Why? Yeah. So are yeah. his other movies more similar to Chaplin's Probably. movies as far as the I comedy? Guess. I haven't seen any of his other feature films, so I can't okay. say entirely. And I obviously haven't seen Chaplin stuff yet. So it would be very but, interesting to yeah. do an episode about that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a slide episode of like, uh, we watched, you know, Sherlock Jr. and we watched Limelight or yeah, whatever. Sure. Limelight would be yes. interesting because it has both of them. Yeah, in Limelight's it. the only yeah, that would be the cool. only time apparently, like really, that they both showed up in the same thing. Hmm. Yeah, because Charlie Chaplin and like the world of acting, it's literally his comedy style is just called clowning, <laughs> like those bits and gags. And I thought the humor in here w- wouldn't mostly fall under that no, category. It, like it was it like very different, but it was still really funny. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of in the timeless way of. Like those jokes are just always funny. Yeah. But what I do find interesting about, at least if I'm just taking these two people as like a representation of what comedy was in the twenties, they're both kind of known for just having like just very flat faces. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just kind of very deadpan. That as well. Yeah. That kind of has a connection to his earlier, like the stage kind of production days. Cause like sometimes when he would get thrown around, he would be having fun and he was like laughing and he noticed that when he laughed, the audience laughed less <laughs> like he got a less of a reaction so he kind of from an earlier time was like oh i'm supposed to just have like the deadpan look so like the the kind of stoic face became like 
kind of his his thing hmm. like part of his, his brand as, as like an actor so he's like like the great stone face or something was kind of his thing hmm. kind of a dry humor mm-hmm. right like yeah just these wacky things are happening and he's just like yeah that is more funny i don't know I why stare. but yeah. it is no like that some of those funny. looks that he would just like like uh when i guess annabelle mm-hmm. is yeah. the name of the character when, yeah. when she's like you know throwing like that like little piece of wood into the yeah. fire and he just like just gives her that that expression of just like just what like, are you uh, doing <laughs> like honestly that's probably one of the funniest parts yeah, of the film for me pretty great and none of them totally overacted works. like yeah. i they didn't have dialogue through the whole thing but i totally understood what was going on mm-hmm. and none of them were overdoing it or right. be like just kind of physical enough to tell what's happening yeah what everyone's yeah feeling and generally meaning to do and say, right but yeah not excessive yeah and it's it's interesting seeing those bits where it's like there are dialogue boxes but mm-hmm. then sometimes people are talking and they just don't put them there because they're like you can figure out what this yeah, is yeah you don't even need it yeah. yeah that was really interesting which i really love in like foreign films when there's like a good translator doing the mm-hmm. subtitles the times where they like something is repeated enough or you've just heard that phrase throughout the movie enough that they just like don't put the subtitles there mm-hmm. and you just know what it is and i don't i think that just makes it easier to be like invested mm-hmm. in what's going on yeah. in the film mm-hmm. and to kind of feel just more present with it it's not like interrupting not it yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and sometimes doing that where it's like oh i saw that i heard this phrase in there from earlier and they decided to change the way that they translated it so it didn't mm. the person didn't say come on you know mm-hmm. again because yeah. you could figure out that that's there just by context mm-hmm. right or just because you know that phrase now that they they said it before right. or whatever mm-hmm. i like that kind of thing so it's it kind of in that way feels very similar. So I guess that's for kind sure. of a technique that's sort of still used on yeah, the fringes. Or less, yeah. yeah, for sure. Just some more visual elements. Yeah. Being relied on. Don't need the, don't need to be told what's happening all the time for sure. Yeah. And that's something I really appreciate about older movies in general mm-hmm. is I feel like true. There's a lot of stuff in modern Hollywood that really is just very directly spelled out at you. And the directors that don't do that now are the ones that I generally tend to appreciate. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, the way that movies used to be made in general, I really appreciate. And once we get to Blade Runner, we can talk about that quite a bit. Because there's a lot oh, in, there in Blade Runner that just, if they were making it now, they would try to explain literally everything to and you. And they did at the time, too. Right? Well, yeah, because <laughs> they did the theatrical cut. Because they were yeah. like, people wouldn't understand. Right. But Ridley Scott's like, nah. I should watch that. I should watch that when we get to it. Because yeah. I've never seen it. I have it, but like, I've never watched it. The theatrical cut? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like I should try it just to see how weird it is. That'd be fun. Yeah. Because I've I don't... seen the, like, the newer cuts like several times. Mm-hmm. So we could watch both. I don't know who's doing that report, but whoever it is yeah, should know. watch every version of that oh, film. God. Is it I me? Ha- I, don't... Uh, I don't think so. I, I feel like remember. I remember that. But yeah, like, I have the like big Blu ray pack that's like, here's all like four or five different cuts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and. Yeah. yeah, most of them have like either. pretty minor differences. Like the director's cut and the final cut, I think, are like there's mm-hmm. like maybe a color grading difference and a unicorn. That missing seems like maybe. the biggest I don't thing. Even know. Yeah, but like yeah, the theatrical cut is totally different. Do you know about that stuff, Hannah? About which about, part? Uh, the Blade Runner theatrical cuts different from the later cuts. No, I haven't even seen that. Okay, so Blade Runner is cool. Like if you watch the newer versions, because it's just it's very just direct and just like you have to just kind of watch it and figure out. And it's it's like a normal movie. It's whatever. The theatrical cut, I'm going to explain this really badly. Mm-hmm. The theatrical cut, the studio apparently was like, nobody's going to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And they had Harrison Ford do this awful like narration over everything. And it destroys the, the whole movie. movie. Yeah. I, I think I do so. remember like, you talking I mean, about that. Just, at least for a lot of, I haven't seen it again, but like. It's bad. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. Like, let me just tell you very directly a lot of things it's a little like, cringy <sighs> makes people kind of feel stupid yeah right but it, blade runner is also known for having like kind of this interesting ending where it's like mm-hmm. it could kind of go either way and mm-hmm. it makes right. you think about it a little bit and it was different too they changed that for the theatrical cut too they're like no we wanted like a very clean cut happy ending yeah and so they had to f- figure out how to shove one in there and it's not good yeah and just they cut out a lot of like the interesting elements that like mm-hmm. make that movie that movie and hence mm. it bombs and it did yes. terribly yeah. really but yeah. then like over the decades later it kind of has become a, a cult classic for sure and really mm. scott was kind of able to make the changes to it that he wanted to do and it's you can definitely get the uh, the original vision now it just took a while to get there it's, it's so much different than the yeah, theatrical totally. cut it's a totally different because i mean it's, when you have a completely different ending you don't have any voice voiceover narration and then you have 
I think that's another thing that Final Cut added. Mm-hmm. I guess we could talk about it, you know, then when we get right. to that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then, yeah we're kind okay. of moving cool. around. And, anyway. I'm looking forward to it then. Yes, I will do my time. research. Very good, very good. I will read um, the sequel book, Blade Runner 2, The Edge of dude, Human. Yeah, I know. I keep seeing that sitting <laughs> in my room. I was like, I should read that. Which Just is cause. it's probably it's probably terrible, but yeah, no, because it's piggybacking terrible. off of the ending of the theatrical cut. I think so. Yeah. So, it, yeah, nothing about that's that. That's fine. Sense. Anyway, anyway, I like that this general... movie doesn't explain it. Yeah, like the theatrical fine. cut of Blade they, Runner. They had to, yeah, like they had to just be silent and do things and just let it speak for itself a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like when there's text on screen, it's usually key information that you wouldn't otherwise be getting from just the film. Exactly. I appreciate that he had two loves in his life. Yeah. Annabelle and his <laughs> engine. <laughs> yep. And that was a weird bit. It was like, okay, so the train was called the general. So that's yeah. why it's called the general. Right. But then that does he also capture weird. a general? I guess. Spoiler I don't know alert. what rank the dude is, but. Something like that though. Yeah. Cause he gives him his sword. It's like, yeah. he's kind of a he's big deal. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember being like kind of weirded out. Cause I was like, I assumed not knowing what the movie was about really. I thought it was going to be, yeah. Like the general as in a person of rank. And then it was like, oh, it's just the train is called the general, right. which again is actually from from the story. Like the train was the engine was actually called the general. It's a real thing. Huh. He wanted to use it, but they didn't want it to be in a comedy, so they didn't let him use it. Really? I guess it was oh, too funny <laughs> for the people who had the train, but they got some of the old trains and gotcha. made it work. Uh, but then at the end he gets promoted, and so I was like, yep. ah, okay, he's gonna get promoted to be a general. The general, I know. yeah. I and then he's a lieutenant. He's a lieutenant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like is maybe a joke. I don't know if that was know. intended or not. Maybe. But it was funny. Yeah, it worked. It was a big cast too. They had a ton of people, a people involved in those big mm. scenes. Yeah, they. I saw also in my my various things. I just have all this weird trivia that I'm kind of throwing at you guys right nice. now. I hope that's okay. That was your uh, job. They said there was the shots where there's like the army is charging and retreating and stuff. It's the same group of extras in different costumes. Mm. Huh. They <laughs> like still they, do that now. Right. Like yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, because like you're not gonna tell like that they're all the same people, but it's like 500 people. I liked the scene with the horses running through and they're just literally yeah. standing right in the road. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I'm, just I'm like, dude, you probably inches away died from running horses so many times during this movie. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it looked cool though. Certainly did. I'm curious about the like. It was. I don't really know what it was intending with Annabelle being like, I don't even want to see you again unless you're in the army. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was pushing funny. it a little bit. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. It was whatever. Yeah. She was like, cause she thought he was being like, yeah, being cowardly, but he was like, they won't take me. She was like, I don't know. But why did her brother say that? Like he didn't even get in line. Right. Cause, cause they didn't, did, right? they didn't see that though. I think cause like he, they didn't even see him until he had already tried the couple times, which is a great scene. Okay. By the way. I really like him, his attempts to, get in the line and mm-hmm. stuff like how he kind of keeps like sliding into mm-hmm. the front of the line it's, it's really great reminds me of that episode of spongebob where Ooh, he's yes. trying to get a ticket back to bikini bottom when he's at rock bottom and you know there's all those giant weird fish and monsters yeah and then one of them like lays an egg and that spawns like three more people in between them and he just like freaks oh out it's so great i haven't seen that in so long oh man i feel like actually spongebob as far as its comedy probably does take a lot from silent films like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like really interesting like physical gags in Mm -hmm. that show Mm -hmm. true that like now that i think back i look back at it from this vantage point i realize like oh i don't think that's done in a lot of other cartoons Anyway, that's my that's small true. SpongeBob we like soapbox. Spongebob. This kind of like laid the yeah. foundation for probably that cartoon humor mm-hmm. before animation was mm-hmm. really a thing. Yeah, yeah, the humor is very similar. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think of also like, even when you go to like watching the original like Looney Tunes or whatever, it's yeah, just totally. kind of straight out of the silent film era. Yeah, true. It's kind of yeah, same no style, dialogue, just and stuff. Just Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess also probably before that with like, I mean, Felix the Cat, that kind I of thing. I love Felix. More classic stuff, yeah. yeah. Felix the Cat is pretty rad. Yeah, that was actually, sorry, this is a really random detour that totally does not connect to anything. But there was a cat in, uh, I've been reading through the Witcher books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a cat named Felix because what? for some reason, the author of that series, Andrew Sikowski, just loves throwing in like random pop culture references. Nice. Into these fa- like epic fantasy books. Yeah. And it's just so weird when it's just like he's talking about, you know, Felix the cat. 
in the witchers right and it's like really gory like yeah dark depressing book and then there's just felix the cat is he polish yeah okay i don't know how felix the cat is worldwide i don't know if it is I mean, I, I assume so. Works. He I does that, though, a lot in right. the early books, too. Oh. He's just kind of known for including weird pop culture it's, references. Must have missed all that. I think most people know Felix was, like, the first cartoon, right? Something like it was that. the first know. one. It was it's probably one of the first ones. I'm I not sure. So. Yeah. If if we were able to fact check that, Indeed. that could be fun. But I'm also to type. I don't want to make sounds. Oh, depressing. I can. I'm almost positive because when I was younger, I had this weird fascination <laughs> with old cartoons and I learned how to draw yeah. him. And I'm pretty sure he was the first ever animated cartoon. Gotcha. I really like the Oswald cartoons. Hmm. I'm I'm one of those people that like as a kid, I was those. like, oh, you know, Mickey's boring. Right. I like Oswald. And then I was slightly vindicated when Disney actually bought the rights back to Oswald. And then they put yeah, it in those video I games. I love Oswald. Yeah. I, I didn't really play them. I did. Really it was good? so exciting. I got to play as Oswald. Yeah, in the second one. Yeah. But he was only the Epic villain Mickey. in the first Epic yeah. Mickey game. Right. Just kind of weird. Yeah. But I didn't even know who he was before that. I was obsessed with Oswald. I'd hmm. never heard of him. Oh, I was like, oh, right. Cool. There's another guy. Yeah, no, I, I had this book of like early Disney animation as a kid. And it was like going through the entire story of like how Mickey was created and whatever. And so oh. there's like a big spread of Oswald and like, Talk, going into all the history and like the weird like rights battles between Universal and Disney and hmm. and whatnot, um, which you know is a complete complete detour from the general, I guess. <laughs> but okay. also, we're kind of going down paths. That's okay though. Do you it's know what production company owned this? Was it like some Ooh. big company that's still around? Or I don't know. I'm not sure there was any specific one actually, hmm. because I know huh. he, I don't think he had any deals with any specific big studios until after this which is kind of part of the rest of his story um but i don't know about this one i will research this one so what was the second part of his career then so so this movie kind of ruins him mm. uh, unfortunately since he doesn't make any money and it's kind of you know not not many not as many people liked it he had to apparently he decided to or had to like strike a deal with mgm uh, to continue making movies, but it was a really bad deal for him because they kind of they didn't really let him have as much creative control as he had been having, and it just made for a much weirder production cycle, I guess, on all these things. Like they kept coming out with projects over the next like decade, but he just wasn't as happy with them or as invested in them. Like he was kind of unsatisfied with the production a lot of times. They apparently had him like start using stunt doubles. Which he was like, why did they, why? Like, like he didn't like that. And like, I think the movies did better. Like they, Mm -hmm. they did okay. But I think eventually there was enough of a rift there. It sounds like they, they got rid of him in like, uh, after he made a movie called what? No beer. (laughs) Uh, I must see that. They got got rid of him immediately after that, even though it did really well. So I think it just kind of became too much of a rift between them. Um, do you know if he was directing those as well or i don't think he did no no so he only so i know he directed the general yeah well he he co-directed yeah who co-directed with him uh the other director was clyde brookman i think i just Hmm. saw had he worked with chaplin i'm sorry not chaplin uh buster keaton before i'm obsessed with charlie chaplin get it together every episode i will mention charlie chaplin just like every episode you will mention a certain actor that I will now not mention because I'm going to wait for you to somehow work him in. I can't believe we talked about Blade Runner and I didn't mention Ryan Gosling. Yeah, it's depressing. I'm you could sorry. have. I was thinking about him and sure. I just didn't say his name. That's fair. Yeah, I was distracted. Um, well, to be fair, we're more, you know, probably all three of us are constantly thinking about that's Ryan fair. Gosling. That's fair. I got, I was just like the image of his abs came into my brain and uh, I like quit functioning. Yeah. Yeah. My apologies. And he's got such a non-symmetrical face yet it's still so attractive. Truly. Yes. That's Growing okay. up, I was like, he's not attractive, mom. And then she's like, just you wait, watch his movies. And I did. And, uh, and then, it, you know, here we are. La La Land hits. And then Oof. that's it. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hits um, different, man. Okay. Clyde anyway, Brighton was very involved in Buster Keaton's career. It turns out uh, hmm. wrote a lot of the stuff uh, like Sherlock Jr. And. Uh, there's something coming up on here at the Buster Keaton show, 1950 to 1951. Oh, a show? Not, I did not know about that. He redeemed himself with a show? Live show with Buster recreating and updating his classic routines. 
it so it's pretty old. Fifty to fifty-one, it probably didn't probably didn't do too well. Uh, I assume so. I don't know. Did not get renewed. Clearly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Didn't last very long. Um. Yeah. I don't think there's too much more to talk about. Uh. Yeah. He kind of was. Yeah. He was he was in a bad place for sure with the MGM deal and stuff. It sounded like he he like he got divorced and stuff during that time when the general was failing and stuff too. Got divorced, fell into like alcoholism and stuff. It was not great. That's, That's depressing. Because yeah. uh, I was impressed with his involvement in mm-hmm. this one, acting, producing, and co-directing. It looks like it was more or less uh, kind of an independent thing. Yeah. Uh, the production company listed on the Wikipedia page just says Buster Keaton Productions and Joseph M. Schenk Productions. Noish. Cool. And Schenk was kind of the person who produced and financed a lot of this stuff as well. He was very tied in. That is interesting to like kind of, I guess, start out with your career having more creative control than later in your Mm -hmm. career. That's that's not what you want, you know? Like I know a lot of other directors from, I guess, kind of later than this, but still, you know, what we'd consider like early films that like start out doing all these like big studio pictures Mm-hmm. And they're like roped into these ridiculous contracts, and then eventually they start having enough of a name themselves that they're able to like break free and start their own production company. Yeah, that's really interesting right. and kind of, opposite, kind of depressing. Yeah. 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 So I think he worked with MGM. I think for just like probably a decade ish, and then it sounds like he got out of that. And I think he kept working. I kind of I kind of got lost um, once that point hit, and like I think he definitely did different things like acting, gag writing, just kind of various things. Um, but I think he was he was better after that. He, he needed someone to throw okay. him through a crowd again. Yeah, exactly. Find his passion. Oh, he was in a Twilight Zone episode. No way. Which one? To me. Uh, I didn't write down. That That's okay. Sorry. It's like Once Upon a Time or something. He's Twilight like a time Zone. traveler or something. Okay, and I, cool. I'm not even positive that I've seen it. I've seen a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. I don't know if I've seen this one. But That's I like crazy. Twilight Zone. So. I really appreciated how well you could see their faces in this one mm-hmm. after a trip to the moon. True. Yeah. yeah. Like That's actually getting to see all the actors' faces and... The close-ups and the wide shots was nice. Hmm. Indeed. Random side note. Yeah, no, it was really... The actual acting, I felt like, through the whole movie, felt pretty similar to what we have now, and just, like, just really solid. Yeah. Probably a lot of movies that we could cover on this list that don't have performances nearly as good as this. I Mm -hmm. thought the same thing. I was like, I know actors who can't do what they did with words, and here they are in the silent movie with this awesome storytelling like they were great Hmm. they did great yeah it was i yeah i don't know this is kind of also a detour sort of but the uh which is okay i guess saying this is probably not on topic is probably not a great segue for a podcast (laughs) if i'm being honest you know it's okay it's technically a segue but then i segued into talking about segues which it's part of the joke probably works worse now um (laughs) But speaking so of segues, note. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the role that Annabelle has in the film yes mm. is just a little off for me, and I guess probably that would not have been a point of contention at the time for people. Perhaps, yeah. But it is now. Like I feel like that's the one place in which that mo- that movie feels like it holds up maybe the least well. Is just mm-hmm. it feels like Annabelle's there and she kind of tries to help sometimes, but she's just very incompetent and he's right. just totally exasperated with her yeah and it just she's like part of the jokes in a bad way yeah, yeah like she's I love just the butt of the jokes yeah. right or she's not even damsel in distress all the time right. it's just like yeah she's kind of annoying <laughs> right yeah like gosh don't you just like want the women to just like stay out of the wars right yeah. guys <laughs> like oh can't stand it when that oh. happens oh she's trying to be helpful gross right. why can't she just be in distress and yeah. just let me do all of the saving or Go something. Go back to the kitchen yeah. and make me Definitely a sandwich. Kind of gets rough with her sometimes. I feel like, I feel like I remember his like hands going around her throat once or yeah. twice. Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, it's a little, hey, uh, it pushes it for sure. It wouldn't fly today, that's for sure. Yeah, and just some of those death glares. <laughs> True. He had the best death glares, though. I mean, yeah. To be fair, they were impressive. They're so funny. <laughs> Poor Annabelle. Yeah, it did feel like she got the short end of the stick in this yeah. movie, and I. I was, it was more interesting in contrast as well to some of the stuff I've seen from this era because it wasn't even like this thing of like women are hardly in movies or aren't given great roles or anything. Like I've seen some silent films that were directed by women Mm. and written by them. Like some of Charlie Chaplin's like early stuff, I'm 
going back to Chaplin. I'm sorry. So but wow. some of the earliest things that he was in uh, were directed by women. Really? Yeah. Um, specifically, her name was, I think, Mabel something. But she mm. had this, like, she was popular in the, um, like, early Keystone comedies that are, like, you know, now just kind of like these, these shorts, I guess. But were considered at the time full-length films. Huh. But, uh, you know, she was just, like, a, a pretty popular character pre-Chaplin uh, and, and directed her own stuff. And right. Doesn't seem to get the short end of the stick as a character, but... I don't know. So I guess it, it maybe means that this movie can be held accountable for that a little bit more if it's not yeah. just like entirely the cultural norm to do that. Perhaps. Was it a joke uh, towards like the Civil War era? It, or was it the possible. 20s? Because I can right. see both I ways. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Because it wasn't, again, that's the thing that makes it feel a little bit worse in a way is that it wasn't like aggressively demeaning in a way that seems like it could be like a poke at an earlier time. Right. Because it was just like there subtly. Yeah. I guess. True. And I, yeah, again, it, it also doesn't feel like it is trying to comment on anything. Right. Like it's not commenting on the civil war no. at all. Right. You know? It wasn't really political. Yeah, no. It's just kind of telling its basic stories. Like, he just wanted to blow stuff up. Yeah. I mean, I guess in, in proper action movie fashion, it's just not great to women. <laughs> this is true. This is fair. It's, you know, maybe, maybe one of the earliest examples of that. Didn't women start getting more rights right after the 20s also? I, th I think so. Wow. I don't, I don't fully know the history, history like, of... three years of American history. I'm failing. See, yeah, I never actually took American history because I was always like, oh, that's, that's kind of, I don't know, if I can get out of it and do world history, then that's what I'll do. Yeah. So I know, like... Uh, in the the broad picture of like uh here's the entire span of western culture and i've taken that like a trillion times but like i can tell you probably more about like the ancient greeks than i could about that's america fair. in the 20s yeah that's fair it looks like the women's suffrage movement happened in like the mid 1900s sort of hmm. okay so, so like 1905 8 somewhere in there yeah, it says that there's actually a 1912 film called Votes for Women. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was early cool. 1900s when the states first started doing it. Now I remember. So women were starting to... Feminism yeah. existed. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was happening by the 20s. They're cool. fine. Rough. Yeah. Yep. Not for Annabelle, though. Not... <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I mean, she had it rough. <laughs> I guess her, her version of feminism is just, hey, look it, I'm here. Yes, so. Instead of like, I do uh, exist. I do yeah. things that are useful, <laughs> which is which is rough. But you know, join the army, or I don't want to see you. Right, I'm that gonna say that to, to a man someday and <laughs> yeah. see what he says. Just 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 see the response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Any guy that's hitting on you, if you're not interested, just be like, I don't even want you to see me again unless you're in the army. Yeah, <laughs> I I might text this uh -oh. to someone today. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just like just a, a large message to just like every guy in your contacts list is like yes. I don't even want to see you again. <laughs> I don't even want to look at you. <laughs> <laughs> your value comes from being in the military. That seven hundred billion dollars has to go somewhere. <laughs> You've Gosh. got a point. That was, sorry, I, I just uh, I just roasted America. Oops. That's fine. Whoops. That, no, whoops. I, think I didn't. This was mean a dating that. hack on our film Ooh. podcast. So. Whoops take that uh, yeah that's a that's a very useful tip though anytime so. you're not interested yeah. in somebody just say that they have to go look risk at their you. lives <laughs> the audacity legacy. of you showing up here without being in the military <laughs> How specifically dare you? you need to enlist in the civil war in the civil war in the confederate army gosh dang it yes in the confederate army <laughs> oh no <laughs> nobody will ever do that which then i know, will be single forever uh, some of them might i mean if you want it it's a good way to do it you, know? you can call me Hannibal, and I will be single forever. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh. That's great. Anyway. <laughs> Hopefully uh, with more agency. Yes. I don't think I have any, I think so. any other points on here. The only other piece of trivia that I kind of liked as a person who buys movies, it was apparently the first silent feature film to get a Blu-ray Blu release. Really? And I Good found job, bud. Well, uh, bust it, bust of course, it's the American film that gets it, not the, not the legendary British modern times. 
I'm I literally I went on to this episode on a movie that I added to a list that I made and I'm over here roasting <laughs> it for not being another movie that I did not no stick Charlie on that list. Chaplin. What is wrong with me? Just put a Chaplin movie on there and we'll change it to 101 films. I'll get a bonus episode of <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. Well, that would be fun. I would love to make some some side episodes maybe here and there i will make an entire side series for ryan gosling and <laughs> oh, you can man. make yeah. one for chaplin we could just go go through every single thing that's exactly. ever done yes i'm so down Delicious. patrick Williams and his people do that already for some mm. people but not for ryan gosling not ryan gosling. ryan gosling deserves it and that's all i'm gonna say that's but fair boy he's got such a wide range of things yeah I and he's really good life. at not talking it's true. Mm. He does that in a lot of he his films. He doesn't even need to. I mean, I, I do like oh. the movies I've Same seen with, with Charlie so Chaplin. Far. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was like, like a silent film actor. Oh, wow, whoa. the talent. Okay, my last point for why I still at the moment prefer Chaplin to Keaton. Charlie Chaplin is more attractive. There, I said it. Gasp. I said it. Reese, okay. no. Even with the mustache. Fine. Wow. Yeah. Fine. He with the is. Hitler mustache. Why? With the Hitler mustache. <laughs> I know that's controversial. Actually, I guess it kind of is, but you know what? He's <laughs> still attractive. I think okay. Charlie Chaplin is, is more attractive. Would you go gay for Charlie Chaplin? <laughs> yes, I would. Wow. <laughs> yes. yes, I would. Yes. 10 out of 10. Would gay. For Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Good to know. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. So I, I highly recommend uh, you watch this film. It's very easy. After watching 30 Charlie, Ch- Charlie Chaplin films. I, and, uh, yeah. I have not seen Charlie Chaplin movies, so I really feel like I need to go watch one now. Well, we're going to get to The Great Dictator. Which oh, is yes. Oh, yes. Tra- which is Charlie Chaplin yes. being Hitler. So that could be a fun time. That but is also interesting. But also probably am not allowed to be attracted to him in that movie. Because you know? he's Hitler? Yeah, but he's simultaneously I mean, playing like a Jewish shoemaker who also looks like Hitler or something. You have a type, Reese. Uh, That's all I'm going to oh say. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm That's kidding. That's rough. <laughs> we're supposed to call me out like that. Yeah. Just yeah. kidding. No, cool. this was a good one. I felt like it definitely was a good stepping stone for the next movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are we doing next? I forgot. I'm doing Metropolis. Oh, yeah. Ooh. 1927, yes. I think. Finally, I'll get and a year later. I was, actually, that was something I, was, I thought was really interesting about the general is it's more in the line with like modern American cinema than Metropolis is. Metropolis mm. feels more like something that would have come out closer to a trip to the moon. Yeah. Uh, except it's really long. Mm. Right. Just, just a warning. It's like 150 minutes. And it's, it's oh, yeah. So, I know nothing about that movie, so I'm excited. It's I also knew nothing about time. this movie. Yeah, I mean, I didn't either. Yeah. Like, I've heard of Buster Keaton. Right. I've heard him in the same conversation as Charlie Chaplin, but again, not the same thing. <laughs> Turns out. Kind of different. There's so much sass. There's a, there's a lot. Well, that's the thing about Charlie Chaplin. He has a lot more sass. <laughs> that's why you like him. <laughs> we need some sassafras in here. A bit more sass. I think we should do an episode, a side episode, where we go through, like, we do Modern Times, we do, like, Sherlock Jr. I think it would be fun. I would like to do, like, a small mini-series on silent films. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, like, we've got a few more. So we've got Metropolis. We've got um, Metropolis? The Passion of Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. Is a 150 minutes of silent film? Is 150 minutes of silent film. <laughs> it's a classic. Don't it worry. Came out a year after the, the general. That's the first movie we'll cover that actually has a score written for it. Oh, nice. And everything. And it's excellent. Okay. Oh, my gosh. It's probably one of my favorite scores cool. in movies. Okay. Uh, and after that, we do a short Passion of Joan of Arc, which is also silent. Uh, and I think we might have one or two more silent films after that. Because we go up to... Dang. I think I think Grand Illusion is also... A silent film. So we have, as a, if you're a listener, we have yet several more weeks of silent films. So bring snacks. Bring snacks. Watch them films. Crunchy snacks because uh, you don't have to worry about missing the dialogue for once in your life. It's true. I mean, there are actually, there are a lot of text boxes. Yes, but you can eat crunchy snacks and read. 
That's a, okay. That's a good point. Yeah, I see what you're going for yeah. there. I was thinking like looking down and grabbing a snack. Oh, but that's I guess true. you don't have to really look. Focus, but eat your chips. You can just have that muscle memory of where that bag <laughs> is after all those decades of practice I've that all of us have. I've been working up to this moment. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, what would you guys rate it? You know, hmm. in the context of the series so far. Man. I also gave it four and a half stars Same. on Letterboxd. Same. And because just in terms of enjoyment and appreciation of it yeah kind of objectively like, unsurprisingly the films on this list are right. good yeah oh wow it's like we tried to try well it you was tried so to make them that way huh. yeah i think hunter used the word charming in his review and i used the same word charming and i just thought it was so clever was yeah. like what kept coming up for sure for me yeah i think it it really just blew me away from the standpoint of of just how solid the action was. Like I, there was actually a bit, like I watched it early this morning when I woke up and I was like semi asleep through one bit of it. And then he like, there was some big action set piece that happened. And I like jumped, I like sat up and I got up. I was like, Oh no, what's going to happen to him. And then I realized, wait, I'm watching a silent film from 1926 <laughs> and I am experiencing all of the suspense that I experienced in the last mission impossible film. That's crazy. Yes. That means indeed it rocks. Good time certifiable good time good job bust so, bust and keter i bust, keep wanting bust it and keter. that's what my brain literally keeps saying and i, I keep correcting myself right before i talk yeah buster uh, keaton bust and keter just sounds so fun <laughs> oh my <God>. sorry <laughs> i've been trying not to say that this whole time but yes that's a good sign it's it is a good sign it's a good <laughs> it's a good movie bust and keter is uh officially uh top 10 silent film directors <laughs> I feel like we could pretty much say that certifiably. Yeah, got to be in that top ten. Yes, definitely. Bustin, not Buster. Uh huh. Bustin Keeter. Bustin Keeter. Buster Keaton is like twelve, but you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's. I think that's a good ranking. We, we could do the full as we go. You know, we right. could be ranking our silent film directors. Yeah. It's gonna be hard to go lower than that. that. Yeah. Because they're all so iconic. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think that this personally beats a trip to the moon for me. Mm-hmm. I thought the same thing i really really loved a trip to the moon i think it just has i think well i mean i like a, a fantasy yeah. yeah i feel like it was a bit more just way out there the special True. effects and the yeah yeah oh. imagination I I was bigger like this one a little bit more that's fair yeah i don't know if it, it did a little bit more for me which is weird because i feel like i would like the things that you guys are talking about for trip to the moon but i don't know but the, the action is definitely better in so, this film. So yes. Buster was a bit of like a pyromaniac, maybe. <laughs> there was fire in one of those last yeah. scenes. It yeah. just kind of went right along the edge of the screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was, was crazy. Like, there boy. were some really good shots. Yeah. <laughs> and he they, totally they jumped through it. it. Oh, yeah. Good times. All right. Well, we will see you guys again next Bye. week for Metropolis. But yes. as we say at the end of every episode of Movie Overload... can't remember <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm blanking we I'm did trying it for to the think of the, too. well i mean i could arguably say again like last time that's a line from the movie because it's kind of silent but they actually had dialogue i'm trying to think of what they said and you I, even like, did the report there were lines you could have written something down oh boy. i just didn't think about it i could i prom- i did not even think about this moment this whole time I we will have this it. for the next one yeah Ugh. that was also a line from the movie wow right. <laughs> yeah like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there had to have been something. Uh, Honestly, your silence works pretty well. Like you could have just easily been doing the Buster Keaton death yeah, glare right. at the microphone. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Like, hear. yeah, like it kind of still works. I can make this joke like five more times. Yeah. And you can do it every time. It, and it's it'll totally halfway not pass. Pass. It worked the best. With but then it the actually movie. will be something that we say at the end of yeah, every episode. I'll, I'll do better next time. I, I'll, I'll <laughs> see. This is like the good reminder because I, I failed this time for real. I feel like tragic. Oh, and, failure. Uh, next time now I'll be like watching movies and I'll be like watching for a line. Like yeah. you watch for a line to put in your letterbox review. I'm going to watch for a line to say at the end of the podcast. That's gorgeous. Man, mm-hmm. I wish we were doing one wonderful Sunday because there's mm-hmm. this really great line that I'd like to end it with, which is that bird looks depressed. Which <laughs> <laughs> just makes, it that. just doesn't make sense even really in the context of the film. I love it. So anyway, there's your we'll see you guys. Hunter just needs yeah. to practice his death glare, and that will cover our bases. Yeah. Hopefully, if you can it, make it, it, make sound, 
you can make your glare make sound so the listeners can hear it. What would a death glare make? That's okay. Don't have to to answer that question right now. Uh, That's what mine sounds like. I don't know about you guys. I guess I'm done. We need need to wrap up for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I've got to get off to work, I guess. Got to go make that that money. That is the time. I will make approximately two cents. Woohoo. Cool. See you guys. Bye. Bye.